I'm so glad to see you here today. Uh, it's, it's an awesome day. It's been an exciting week of Thanksgiving. I know that a lot of our church family is stranded in Fort Collins or Cheyenne or wherever they were able to take the road uh, to over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours as they were coming back. And so many of them are on the road. We're praying for God's uh, traveling mercies for them. But uh, I was just reflecting on this week of Thanksgiving. And I don't know all of what it looked like for you, but we kind of began and kicked it off last Sunday at the fairgrounds with an amazing service for our one big Sunday and an awesome announcement that we believe God's called us to, to step out in faith and begin the process of building the new building. And, and uh, it's going to be about a mile closer to town. If you're not familiar with where it is, or you didn't see the video, you can kind of figure out from the video where to go. Uh, you might get dizzy in the process. So let me just tell you, as you're heading back to town on 287, uh, past you know, Calvary Man right here, really the first place that you can take a right on an actual street, not on just some dirt little road, but Huron Street is actually one of the largest streets in all of Laramie. You'll take a right on that street, and as soon as you take a right, you'll pull up a little bit on the right-hand side, see our future home of sign that's there, and uh, you'll see where it is. We're, we're about a mile closer to town, really kind of catty corner across from the fairgrounds in an area that's going to be a new housing subdivision of about 300 uh, new homes uh, that are being designed. Hopefully that's, that's the, the plan for it. Developers bought a lot of the property around it. Pray with us that he would buy a portion of our property as well. It would be awesome. Um, and so uh, that's, that's where that is. And it was just an exciting, what, a, what an incredible Sunday, last Sunday, to celebrate that. And then the Thanksgiving lunch and fellowship that we had afterwards was just awesome. The food was amazing. Thank you so much to everyone that cooked and brought food and desserts. And it was, uh, you know, I, by the time Thanksgiving rolled around, I wasn't hungry. I was, like, stuffed. <laughs> still from Sunday's Thanksgiving, but I ate some more. Don't worry about me. Uh, so then the UW students were really excited and thankful as they got some good news that school was dismissed a few days early to allow them to get out of town before the snowstorm. I'm not sure that any of them will make it back into town before school starts again, but that's a whole other story. Uh, so many of you got to spend time with friends and family and extended family, and I love seeing the pictures uh, that so many of you shared on social media from uh, pictures of your families and your grandkids and extended families or, or your, your Friendsgiving that you had or whatever it was. It was so awesome to see people excited and together and taking time to celebrate uh, so many things that we have to be thankful for and spending time with family. And then the world got to see Josh Allen play an amazing game of football in prime time. And even though he beat my Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for Josh Allen, right? We have to celebrate uh, our hometown hero, and uh, we won't talk about the Dallas Cowboys for another year. And then Black Friday came, and some of you people went out, because now Black Friday like is actually Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, New Year's, it's like uh, three months of shopping. But some of you crazy people, you went out late at night, where are you at? Or early in the morning, you went on the shopping sprees, and um, all, all that's going to continue, like I said, through the weekend and beyond. Uh, but uh, So there's that excitement for some people. They really enjoy doing that. I have memories of like my mom and my aunts. This is back when Black Friday was really just on Friday. And they would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and they would put on like flashing you know, ornament earrings and hats and noses, Rudolph noses, and they would go out and like fight over a $5 sale, you know, 
and they were so happy. They saved $7 and spent 12 hours. I didn't really understand that. Um, but we come to the end of this exciting week, and maybe you had more adventure and excitement that I don't even know about. But we come to the end of this exciting week, and we've been thankful for our church and our family, an abundance of food that's also known as gluttony, and I won't preach about that today. I promise we'll wait until January when we're all focused on being healthier. But we're thankful for our family and football and shopping and sales and safety and travel and a few extra days off of work and school, and that just about sums it up, right? Except in the midst of all of our holiday and Thanksgiving, it's easy to forget something. There's a nine-year-old named Johnny. He was asked to say the blessing at the Thanksgiving meal. Johnny was always one of the polite boys. Billy, his brother, was the mischievous one. Johnny began his prayer by thanking God for his family and his friends, naming them one by one, those that were present and those that were not. He was thankful for them all, individually by name. And then he began to pray for the food. He called out every item by name, and it's Thanksgiving, so there's Quite a few items. You'd have thought he was trying to stall from going to bed, but this is just the prayer before the meal. He thanked God for the green beans, the mashed potatoes, the coleslaw, the corn, the bread pudding, the applesauce, the dinner rolls, the pecan pie, and the chocolate cake, all of it. And then he began to pray for the turkey. He prayed, that turkey looks so juicy and good. Thank you, Mom, for preparing it. Thanks for the car that brought the turkey home from the grocery store. And for the man at the market who bagged the groceries and put them in the car. And thanks for the meat department worker that put the turkey on the shelf, for the worker who took the turkey off the truck and the driver of the truck who brought the turkey from the meat packaging company, for the ones who cleaned the bird and wrapped it up and the farmer who raised the turkey. Johnny paused. Have I left anyone out? He said to himself. But by now, the whole family was wondering when his prayer would end. They were hungry and ready to eat. Just then, Billy, Johnny's mischievous brother, blurted out sarcastically, well, you've thanked about everyone except for God. And without missing a beat, Johnny said, well, I was just about to get to him. And it seems that at Thanksgiving, we thank everyone, and we should. We wish everyone a happy turkey day, and we should thank the people that have contributed to our lives, and we should consider our forefathers, and we should praise our family and friends for their contributions to our lives. And in the midst of thanking the pilgrims and the Indians and making our Christmas lists and all the other things, let's not forget about God. He is the source of all of our blessings. I know that last week we kicked off the week celebrating and also thanking God for his blessings. I know that around many of our tables this week, we took a moment to thank the Lord, but can we ever sufficiently express our gratitude? It's so easily forgotten or easy for that to become an afterthought in the course of our busy routines and schedules. Even if it's not entirely forgotten, the, the, the reality of it becoming an afterthought in our busy lives is there. In the course of the Old Testament, even the New Testament, it's repeated numerous times and places. We're going to look at Deuteronomy 8 as one of those places, but throughout the Old Testament, we see this pattern where the people of God, the children of Israel, the early church are told to remember what God has done, to never forget the great things that he has done. It was just a part of what they were taught, a part of what they were commanded, if you will. And in Deuteronomy 8, the majority of the chapter gives specific instruction to the children of Israel that God is bringing them into a new land and he's fulfilling a promise to them similar to what I believe God has done 
and is doing here at New Life. He's bringing us into a new and exciting season. He's fulfilling promises and words that have been spoken over this church for many years that are now we're seeing what God has, has spoken come to fulfillment. But they're being instructed that they must remember the Lord their God and how he had been faithful every step of the way. How many of you can look back on your lives and say, you know what, there's been ups and downs, but the thing I can tell you is that God has been faithful every step of the way. I can tell you from this church, from, this, from the perspective of those who have been here longer than I have, they would tell you that there have been ups and downs, there's been moments of victory and moments that were seemingly of defeat, but that if it weren't for God, we wouldn't be where we are today. Verse 11 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says, Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, laws, and decrees. And then it continues going all the way down to verse 18. It reminds us that it's easy to say that my own power or my own strength, the strength of my hands, have produced this for me. But we must remember that it is the Lord your God that even gives you the ability to produce anything at all. We can say that in our own lives, and we can say that over, over this church. We can't forget what God has done. We can't forget where he's brought us from. We can't forget that he's been with us every step of the way. And should we ever get to a place where we, we begin to think that it's the result of our own hands or the strength of our own ability, we've missed something. Because even, even the own strength of our hand, even what we're able to do on our own, is nothing without the strength from God to be able to do that. He's the one that even gives us the ability to do what we're able to do. I want us to take a moment together today to focus solely on thanking God for what he's done. Lest we forget that it's only by the grace of God that we have made it this far, and it's only through him that we're going to see everything that he's promised in our lives. We're going to do it today by looking at how David would express his gratitude and thanksgiving to the Lord in Psalm chapter 8. So Deuteronomy 8 is the foundation and, and just a pattern for what we see all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament of a command to remember and never forget what God has done. But David knew these things well. David was familiar with Deuteronomy 8. He was familiar with the command of the Lord. And I believe that Psalm 8 is how he fulfilled that command. And it's a pattern for us that we can use to express our thanksgiving to the Lord. I want us to, we began this week with expressing our thanksgiving and our gratitude to the Lord. And I want us to end this week of celebration of thanksgiving by doing the same thing, by putting God first and thanking him for who he is. So we're in Psalm chapter 8. We're going to read verse 1 through 4. It says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set the glory in the heavens. The, through praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set into place, what is mankind that you're mindful of him, or human beings that you care for them? Psalm 8 is a thankful overflow of a man who can't believe his place in God's created order, but who's eternally grateful for it. From this psalm, some of the great hymns were inspired like the song that we sang last week. In fact, if you missed last week, one of the greatest things you missed was the rendition of How Great Thou Art, which was inspired from Psalm chapter 8. David, the writer of this psalm, perhaps alone one night, maybe from the rooftop of his palace, stares at the vast expanse 
of the sky and considers the God who put it all into place. Just three weeks ago, we got to stand on a rooftop in Jerusalem where King David's palace rooftop would have been. And so famous for so many things, Bathsheba and that story. But I can just imagine David having stepped out on that rooftop and stood there. And you, from that vantage point, you can see the whole city of Jerusalem. You can see the hills that surround Jerusalem. You can see it all, and you can see the sky. And I can imagine David just maybe sitting on his rooftop with his harp and just looking at all that God has created. It's incredible the, the, the perspective that you can see from there. David, on this occasion, if you notice in this psalm, he begins and he ends with God. He doesn't just start verse 1 by saying, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He ends it the same way. He's reflecting on who God is. He doesn't forget the source of all of his blessings. He's the king of Israel, but he recognizes that God alone is the source and the reason for where I am and all that's happened in my life. So the first thing that I believe that David does that we see in the psalm is he considers who God is. David began by remembering God and not only that, but really considering who God is and what that means. David reflected on the name and the glory of God. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The name of God expresses the total sum of his attributes. It's more than, than a moniker. It's the embodiment of his character. When God revealed his name, he was making himself known, revealing himself to humanity and inviting intimacy with us who he created. Because of God's name, we should be thankful that we are invited to a relationship with God. When God revealed his name, he made himself known to us. No longer was he just some distant deity in a faraway place that put everything into motion and allowed it to be. No, this is the God who wants us to know his name. He chose to move into the neighborhood, to take up residence with us, to allow himself to be known. That's Emmanuel, God with us. And in being known, not only do we know his name, but we take on his name and his character. He allows us to be called by his name. We're like an old printing press that rolled over the characters and printing the paper. God has impressed his character and his likeness into our very nature in knowing God, we take his name, called as Christians to bear his name, and his character has rubbed off on us. David considers the name of God and what that means to him, and he considers the glory of God when he says, you've set your glory above the heavens. And the glory of God is the, es is, it, is the essence of his nature. It's the weight of his importance. It's the radiance of his splendor, the demonstration of his power, the atmosphere of God's presence. God's glory is the expression of his goodness and all of his intrinsic and eternal qualities. Because of God's glory, we should be thankful that he's allowed us to share in his likeness. We don't possess that glory, but we radiate it from, from within us. Like Moses returning from Mount Sinai, whose face was radiant after meeting God, our faces should shine like a glow-in-the-dark figure for the world to see. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him. That's what's supposed to happen. 
As the Spirit of God works within us, we become more and more like Him. Yeah, when you begin a relationship with God, your life isn't going to, to be, just instantly be perfect. God can clean up a whole lot in an instant, but a lot of it happens over time. But if you look at your life and you see where, you, where God's brought you from, and you look back and you, you're not becoming more and more like Christ, you should ask yourself, is there something missing on the inside that's causing the outside not to become more and more like Him? As believers, we've been given the awesome privilege and responsibility to reflect God's glory. There's a poem that I read. It said, we like the moon have no light, no energy and no power. Yet we like the moon, when touched by the sun, cast his brilliance on the blackest of nights. That's all we're to do is just to reflect the glory of God. We reflect the radiation of the sun. There's a little girl who was on her way home from church when she turned to her mother and said, Mommy, the preacher's sermon this morning confused me. The mother said, well, why is that? And the girl replied, well, the preacher said that God is bigger than we are. Is that true? Yes, that's true, the mother replied. Well, he also said that God lives in us. Is that true too? Again, the mother replied, yes. She was now sure that her daughter was going to be concerned about exploding from such a big God being inside of such a little girl. Instead, the girl said, well, if God is bigger than us, but he lives in us, shouldn't he be able to show through? Amen. And that's the reality is that God should be showing through. If there's really a big God that we have a relationship that takes up his residence inside of our heart and lives within us and, and, and we should be radiating his light to the world, then there's no way that something as big as a big God could live inside of us and not show through. Sometimes it's the mouths of babes that bring the reality of a, of a complicated situation that should be so simple that we complicate. How thankful are you for your relationship with God? Has the reality of who God is and that he desires to live in you changed you to the point that he shows up in your life and he shows through? Or has your life grown stale and the reality of who God is has just become commonplace? Do you take it for granted? God wants to show through our lives so that he can cast his light on a dark world. His plan didn't end when you made a decision to live for him. He just enlists you in the process of now bringing his life and his light and his truth to the rest of the world that's in need of what we have. He wants to use you in the process. That's an important role that we play. Do you thank God for the role that he's given you? When was the last time that you reflected on who God really is, on his great name and on his glory and what that means to you in your life? David not only reflected on who God is, but he took time to consider what God has done. David transitions from a reflection of, of just God and his presence and his being to to the incredible things, God's creation, the works of his hands. When we look around, it should be easy for us to thank God. We live in Wyoming, right? Laradice, all around us. David says, When I consider your heavens, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, and the night sky stretched out, I can imagine David being on that rooftop, literally seeing the moon and the stars. We can marvel at the heavens today with greater wonder than David. We know that in one second, a beam of light travels 186,000 miles, which is seven times around the earth. It takes eight minutes for that beam to go from the sun to the earth. 
in a year, the same light beam travels 6 trillion miles. Scientists call this a light year. 8 billion light years from the Earth is halfway to the edge of the known universe. The vastness of the universe is the vastness of God. David says, I consider God's fingers, the work of your fingers. God's fingers, according to David, set the stars in their place. His fingers, mind you, not his hand, not his arm, his fingers reveal the power of God. There's a lot less power in your fingers than in your hand, and a lot less power in your hand than in your total arm. But David says it's just the fingers of God that demonstrate his power as he sets the stars into place. To create stars and planets and galaxies, God only needed his fingers. The created order is in the work of God's fingers. Because of God's fingers, we should be thankful for the creation that we enjoy. Sometimes we get so busy, we get complacent and selfish, we forget to see the beauty of God's creation all around us as a gift to us. We get so worn out and tired of shoveling snow that we forget to look up beyond our driveway and realize the beauty that God has given us. All we have to do is open our eyes and look around us and see God's creation, the overwhelming beauty that's ours because of the work of his fingers. Oftentimes, I'm afraid we overlook the simple creation of God we fail to thank God for the gift that he's given us and the beauty around us. But David, on this occasion, he lifts his eyes up and he notices. He notices what God has done. He notices the work of God's fingers. I once heard about a man that was born blind. He couldn't see anything at all. His world was a black hall of sounds and smells. He felt his way through five decades of darkness. But then all of a sudden he could see. A skilled surgeon performed a complicated operation, and for the first time, the man had sight. He found it overwhelming. Listen to what he said. He said, I would have never dreamed that yellow is so yellow. I don't have words. He said, I'm amazed by yellow, but red is my favorite color. I just can't believe red. I can see the shape of the moon, and I like nothing better than to see a jet flying across the sky, leaving a vapor trail, and of course, sunrises and sunset. And at night, I look at the stars in the sky and a flashing light. You could never know how wonderful everything is. We take so for granted the gift of sight, the ability to see. Sometimes we fail to recognize how incredible God's creation is and all the things that he's done. The next time you step out at night and see the stars or the next time you catch a sunrise or a sunset, say a prayer of thanks to the one who created it. Even when you have to shovel the snow for the 40th time this winter, thank God for his creation. All that he's done that he's given to us. When you see a rose or a bubbly brook or a rainbow, don't forget the one that gave it to you and to me, no strings attached, just simply a gift so that we can enjoy. David reflected on who God is and what God's done, and also he considered how God cares. He considered how God cares. David's perspective on who God is and what God's really done culminates in this idea that he shares with us of who am I that you are mindful of me. And yet you demonstrate care and love toward us because we are your creations. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We also are part of God's creation that he cares about, that he provides for, that he put effort and thought and planning into and that he cares for to this day. Consider God's care. The greatness of God extends beyond just the galaxies and the Milky Way and all those things, the universes and his created uh, creation in this planet. It extends to us. God thinks of us. He remembers us. He keeps us in his heart. Before such overwhelming physical odds and seemingly endless space and time, God thinks of us and he sees us. Because of God's care, we should be thankful for his presence. It's been said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, let me tell you, do you realize how much God cares for you today? Do you realize how much you have to be thankful for just from the care that God provides for you? Yes, there's ups and downs in life. There's victory moments and moments of defeat. There's moments that we feel far away from God, but we're never alone. God's presence is constantly with us. He loves us and he cares for us. Do you grasp that you're always on his mind, that you're constantly under his watchful eye? The word translated care in the NIV is sometimes translated visit in other translations. It means to, to attend to or to observe. God is like a caring friend that checks in. He's like a, a doctor, a good doctor that cares about his patients or a loving pastor all rolled up into one. He focuses on our needs. Sometimes we don't see him, and other times we don't feel him, but God is there. He quietly intersects our lives, meeting our needs when we need him the most. God cares about you, and he cares about me. We have truly so much to be thankful for. Giving thanks to God for all he's done should be one of the most distinctive marks of the believer in Christ Jesus. Is that true of you? Do people meet you and spend time around you and recognize, hey, there's something different about this person. This Lisa Joe, she's not like everyone else. She expresses gratitude. She has love in her heart. She recognizes that there's a God, a creator of the universe that's working on her behalf. Or has the spirit of ingratitude hardened your heart and chilled your relationship with God and with others? Nothing turns us into bitter selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And nothing will do more to restore contentment and joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. When we open our eyes like a blind man seeing for the first time to recognize that God's moving all around us. The greatness of just who he is. If he'd never done anything for us or, or in us or through us, just who he is alone is worthy enough reason for us to express our gratitude and our thanksgiving to him. But he, it's not just who he is, but what he has done, what he has created, the, the incredible things that he, he does for us, the blessings that we recognize and those that we don't. His care for us is his creation. To be grateful after all is to see God. The world and ourselves are right to recognize that all of life is a gracious gift from his hand, that we are God's debtors. It's truly to believe in a God.
this Thanksgiving. I hope that you don't forget God. I hope that he hasn't been an afterthought. I hope that from the moment we kicked off our service last week and, and celebrated all that God's done and expressed our gratitude to him, that it just carried through all week long and that you were overflowing from a grateful heart for time with friends and family and being able to celebrate whatever it is that's going on in your life. That's truly to believe in God. Make sure that he's first and last on your Thanksgiving list. I so love that David begins the psalm and he ends the psalm saying, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory in the heavens. He recognizes who God is. He begins with it. He ends with it. And that's what I want us to do with this Thanksgiving week. We began the week with it. I want us to end the week with it, recognizing and expressing our gratitude to God. Today, as we talk about remembering God and reflecting on who he is and what he's done, how he loves and cares for us, we're going to conclude by doing something that scripture instructs us to do in remembrance of him. We're going to receive communion together just as an expression of our gratitude and our reflection on all that he's done. But before we go there, Jesse's going to lead us in a worship song. I want us just to begin to look inward. The Bible says that we're not to take communion in an unworthy manner, but we're to reflect and look into our hearts. I want us to do that. I want us to begin to express gratitude. Maybe you want to stand across this room and worship. Maybe you want to stay where you are. But can we just take a moment? to express our thanksgiving and our gratitude to the Lord. And then in a few moments, we'll distribute the communion elements and give you some further instruction.
the way we practice communion here at New Life and traditionally in the Assemblies of God is that we don't require you to be a member or to have done any specific thing or taken a class to participate. It's, it's open communion. We simply ask that, as the Bible says, you not take an unworthy manner, that you be in a right relationship with the Lord. And so we're going to distribute those elements. And if you would like to receive the elements, you can simply take a piece of bread and the cup and you can hold those for just a few minutes. We'll partake of those together after they've been distributed to everyone and we'll give some further instructions but our ushers are going to come to help us distribute and we'll just continue in a time of worship as those are being distributed this morning Worthy of all 
Chapter 11, Paul says that I received from the Lord when I also delivered to you that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had broken it, he said, this is my body, which is for you. As often as you eat this bread, you do it in remembrance of me. You do it to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We recognize that this body, what it is in, in a way that the disciples that were there that night couldn't, couldn't have known because they were still blinded to the reality of who Jesus was and what his ultimate plan is, but our eyes have been opened and we realize that this was the night that Jesus was betrayed and he willingly gave himself for us. He willingly became a sacrifice to take the stripes on his back for our healing. We still believe in that today. It happens. It works. God is able to heal and to move in powerful ways. The gifts of the Holy Spirit move in a powerful way. It began with, with Jesus willingly taking his place Submitting himself to the will of the Father and paying the price for our sin that we could have never paid. The Bible says that the, the shedding of blood of the goats and the lambs was never enough to, to pay the, the debt of our sin from a sacrificial standpoint. Only the spotless lamb, only Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was enough to pay the price for our sin. We have so much to be thankful for. And the Bible says, do this in remembrance of him. Yes, let's remember the sacrifice that he made. And remember that he's not dead, that he's still alive, and that we worship a risen Savior who moves and works in powerful ways in our lives today. Living and active and a powerful God. Lord, we thank you for this bread. We thank you for your son who willingly went to the cross in our place to pay the price of our sin that we never could, that took the stripes on our back so that we didn't have to endure not only that pain, but the pain and sickness that comes in our lives. We have healing in the name of Jesus. There's power through the sacrifice of what he did. The, the curse of sin and death and hell and the grave were defeated on the cross that day. Lord, we thank you. We remember that that freedom is not free, that the cost... While it costs us nothing, it costs you greatly. We honor you today. In Jesus' name. Let's take that bread together. It says that in the same way, when they were done with the bread, they took the cup, and he said, this is my blood that's poured out for you. Do it in remembrance of me. As often as you drink this cup, proclaim my death until he comes. He's coming again. He's coming again with as much power as he went out with. He's coming back even more. The blood of Jesus washes away our sins. Breaks the hells, the, the chains of hell over our lives. Defeats the enemy. So much that we have to be thankful for. Lord, we are in awe of your presence. We're in awe of the blood that you shed for us that was poured out, that washes away our sins, makes us white as snow. Lord, not only for us, but for this city. Lord, as we move forward in obedience to your spirit and to your word with this building, we don't do it because we're collecting exciting buildings. We do it because there's people that are in need 
on the blood of Jesus, the price that's already been paid for them, Lord. Let this not only be something we do in our personal remembrance, but a recognizing that there's a lost world that's in need of a Savior. That your spirit should shine through us to a world that's in need. That the blood of Jesus is enough to cover every sin, past, present, and future. Not only for us, for those of the entire world. We thank you for it. We remember what you did, and we honor you today. In Jesus' name. Take this cup together. Just these last few minutes that we have together, let's just worship one more time. Lift our voices in thanksgiving and honor to the one who's worthy of it all.